Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Yeah, the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Hello and welcome to another episode of I Weigh with Jamila Jamil, a podcast against shame. I hope you're well. I am a bit nervous because this episode that you're about to hear was recorded live in front of a large audience and that is something I've never done before because I fucking hate public speaking. I know that I seem very cocky online but that is, as with anyone who's cocky online, a big fucking lie and actually I was just very afraid. So if I'm a little bit more intense than normal in my interviewing style, I apologise but I was freaking out. Remember I've only ever done this podcast in my bedroom next to my wanking dog so (laughs) this was very surreal but so cool to meet so many of you and for those of you who weren't in that room that night, I can't wait for you to have this conversation because I think you're going to love it. I think you're going to love my guest. Her name is Rebecca Humphreys and she's so funny and she's so smart and she's so talented. She's a comedy actor and now a best-selling author for a book called Why Did You Stay? Which is partially around the thing that made her famous overnight, which is being cheated on by her relatively famous but deeply insignificant other half uh, when he cheated on her on a reality TV show with his dance partner. The photographs went all over our country and it was Rebecca's response of dignity, empowerment and hiding nothing about the relationship that really skyrocketed her to becoming the face of reclaiming your own narrative. In this chat, we talk about her book, we talk about what happened that night, we talk about her relationship but most importantly we talk about the system at large of abusive relationships, of gaslighting and most importantly the ways in which we can stop ourselves hopefully from being so vulnerable to predators. And that's not to be victim shaming at all. That's not the vibe of this podcast, but it's more to empower us, to remind us that we have agency, that we can patch up those old wounds before we allow ourselves to be vulnerable to other people who may not have our best interests at heart so that we have some sort of self-preservation so that we have a fighting chance in the shit pool that is the dating world. And Rebecca's so so brilliant in this chat and in every chat that she has and so lovable and so deeply relatable and the vibe in the room was electric so many people like a devastating amount of people resonating with exactly what she said and a lot of mm-hmm's happening uh, all at the same time in the crowd I loved it so much it was so much fun that I now want to do it more and maybe I'll be coming to a town near you sometime 
uh, to tour this further. But I really want to hear what you think. Please message me. Please DM me. Please DM Rebecca for being so brave and so cool and for fucking re-traumatizing herself again and again and again by telling this story uh, so that she can help all of us and warn us of all of the signs and, and empower as many people as possible in ways that she did not feel empowered herself when she needed it most. She's a legend. She's an icon. She is the motherfucking moment. This is Rebecca Humphreys. answers sorry um i've never done anything like this before and i'm petrified of public speaking uh so i I probably shouldn't be here actually um but i just wanted to meet you guys because thank you for allowing my podcast to go on this long thank you for being here to support i really appreciate you um I'm not as bold and brave as I seem on Twitter, <laughs> where I know I am a bit of a twat sometimes. Um, I'm much calmer in this format, uh, but I am going to now bring on the real star of the show. She's such a great writer, such a great actress, such a great human. Please give the warmest welcome ever for Rebecca Humphreys. escaped me that we have accidentally dressed like Richard Gere and Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman. <laughs> I felt really sad that I hadn't brought like a diamond necklace to close to on this. Rebecca. <laughs> oh, God, hi. Here we are, we made it. I know. <laughs> How are you, my dear? How am I? Uh, well, this is new. new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sort of taking a minute to adjust to that. Um, I'm well. My book's gone quite well. Your book has so gone well. I'm Have you feeling... all read this book? Why did you stay? <laughs> yes, indeed. And those who haven't shall. So I'm feeling, I don't know, it's slightly overwhelmed, actually. Overwhelm is probably the word of the year for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. How's your mental health in general at the moment? I thought I'd go in with something <laughs> really simple chill, and easy. You know, <laughs> um, it's just the gals. <laughs> <laughs> My mental health. I have taken great pains this year, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit more, mm-hmm. to level it out and to learn how to take care of myself, really. And I guess ask myself that question all the time, check in with myself, be compassionate towards myself, have a, a loving dialogue with myself without sounding too much of a twat, I mean, straight away. But like, I, I guess now my struggle is also my celebration really which is I've just written this book and it's gone really well now what so I'm kind of just in that space right and also I can't imagine it's easy to have to sit and talk about the thing you wrote about again and again and again and again now uh (laughs) I imagine that's I imagine that feels somewhat intense 
it was intense. It mm-hmm. was at the beginning when I hadn't done it before. But now it really is my pleasure. I mean, it's it's something that I've gotten a lot of feedback from, from people who have read it. And I'm really kind of trying to check myself before I say, you know, I, I talk about myself in terms of being like a guru or someone that anyone should listen to ever, which I'm absolutely not. Um, but people are really responding to it and people are taking a lot from it and seeing themselves in my story and it's helping them. So when I get to speak about it, it's, it's, it's a joy because I always have that, you know, in my, yeah. in my heart, really. So for those who haven't yet read this book or who might not even be familiar with you, can you tell us what it's about? Yes. Okay. So <laughs> I, I mean, it's fucking dense. I mean, I was going to so say, it, it, it's a, <laughs> just like, keep it quick. She's told me a, she over talks and I must interrupt yeah, her. So it's, just it's, so you know, I'm not being a massive cunt. If that happens, I was told to go ahead. <laughs> it's a very chunky volume and I'll just try and condense it into about a paragraph. So I, in 2018, my boyfriend at the time was photographed, um, kissing his dance partner on Strictly Come Dancing. So Prick. he was, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, it's a, it's, a, it's a little show you might have heard of it and so he was perhaps doing that and then everything came out in the papers and when that happened it was sort of a sequence of events really that I go obviously more into in this I mean look at the size of it but I sort of realized quite quickly that actually our relationship had been super toxic and actually he demonstrated a lot of emotionally abusive behavior the thing that was so clear and glaring was that he had told me that I was a psychopath when I said there was something going on between them. Yeah, talk us through, if you don't mind, for the billionth fucking time, (laughs) the night that you were called a psychopath. Sure. It was your birthday. It was my birthday. I know, right? What a (laughs) jerk. So, God, that was quite cathartic yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) anytime you want one you just ask we'll do (laughs) so I'm at home I've got this shop-bought lasagna going cold my poor salty tears like pouring into it And, and I'm sort of genuinely just at the point in our relationship where I had I had been gaslit so much that actually I just kind of had no idea well who I was for a start um what it was that I should expect from a boyfriend or from a relationship or from love itself. And suddenly there I am, you know, this person who I, you know, would always have self-identified as being like pretty strong, pretty independent, sort of quite fun, quite sort of rambunctious, you know, just Mm -hmm. all of these things. And there I am having been chipped away at to such an extent that the most I could expect on my birthday was for my boyfriend to finish his drink with his dance partner quickly, you know? And suddenly there I am and I'm like... Well, you, you asked him, right? You I were asked like, him. Do I you not him think up. this is a bit inappropriate? Understatement of the fucking century. <laughs> I called him up and I said to him, something inappropriate is going on, isn't it? Or like, I, I, you know, I called him out on it several times. It wasn't the first time. Mm-hmm. And again, not for the first time, he turns around and he says you're psychotic you know you're a psychopath you're mental you're insane like just all of this stuff that had been turned on me time and time again but the thing is is that we all know we're starting to have an awareness that gaslighting is so insidious that that dialogue and that language had found its way into our relationship 
years before I was being told that that night. You know, this was just something that we this 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 is the way we spoke. This is our this was our language. Yeah. How long had you dated? About five and a half years. Right. Yeah. 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 That's a well deserved a long wow ass time eh? in the audience. <laughs> and can you talk me through the beginning of the relationship? Because I think. I mean, I, I really hope it doesn't trigger too many memories in anyone else's brains, but it's a familiar tale. Yeah, especially when you're at the other end, because when you start talking about toxic relationships and things like gaslighting and emotional abuse, you know, it's so weighty and it's so heavy. And people that you're talking about it to paint such a picture of your relationship as this sort of, you know, dark fairy tale that's like, you know, Tim Burton-esque and it just feels really poisonous. But actually, of course... The big myth about toxic relationships is that they're bad all the time. In fact, when they're amazing, they are so vividly amazing that you cling on to those things like a life raft when actually you're, you know, you're sinking. When we first met, I mean, what's that? Actually, I was having a conversation about this the other day with a friend and we were talking about love and like the first big love, you know, in your life and saying, actually, you know, it's sort of a, it's quite bittersweet because I will never fall in love like that again like I, I won't because of what I now know and things like wariness and caution and taking things slowly this Wait, do you mean that he was your first big love big love yeah right because this Will was, Smith was mine I mean I haven't met him but like <laughs> different <laughs> sorry go on <laughs> but this was like epic this felt like you know years and years worth of blokes keeping me a secret or being dickheads in that way and going like oh make sure you don't tell anyone or making me feel ashamed to be myself or like just not being flagrant about their feelings for me and this guy just turns up and goes I want you like everything about you and it just honestly felt like you know all the doors in me were like been flung open and suddenly you're like... very vivid innuendo image. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. As it were. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> Pardon everyone. <laughs> it took, what, 10 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and, and, and we're there and we're going to Brighton for the weekend and then we're going to Berlin and then we're going to Ireland and like, we're just flying around the damn well being in love and it's just heaven, you know, I'm hearing music in my ears all the time and what is that called love bombing yeah there it is can you tell people what love bombing is? love bombing is an excess of love attention gifts um that is just heaped on the subject by the person who's pursuing them essentially in order to corner them into love and into a relationship really early on at which point generally this is a narcissistic trait love bombing at which point we know that narcissists are, you know, all about the self and it's about the attainment of that person. So it's not actually healthy love. It's not about giving and receiving. It's about, I want that thing that looks quite hard to get. I get it. And then gradually, not gradually, like suddenly they just lose interest. Yeah. And they start eroding yeah. their subject. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting one. I mean, just by, by way of hands, even 
Have any of you been in that kind of love where at the very beginning you feel like you can't breathe almost, you can't eat, you have no appetite, you feel euphoric, you can't sleep, but you don't need sleep because life is so exciting and you're living the kind of love that nobody else has ever lived in their lives. No one else <laughs> understands you. The songs kind of understand you, but not really because you're special. This is different this time. <laughs> Hands up. Yeah. Exactly. And what the, and the thing as well is, is that for the formative years of my female life that's what i was told that i it's all I wanted. we were told it's all we were told i was like this is what oh wow i'm getting everything that i was ever promised everything that i have always associated with love and romance i'm finally getting it so this is real yes yeah every song every movie it's <laughs> everywhere and all of the literature because it wouldn't sell would it a story about a nice calm love Elfie. where you could be yourself where you could <laughs> finally you reach your, your natural weight you know <laughs> where you can accept that not everyone is talented at reverse cowgirl you know <laughs> it's just it's just nice to relax but that's not a great tale it's not a great song it doesn't have a great hook it's fucking drama it's drama, baby. But yeah. yeah, I don't think I saw a single narrative until I was about 12 years old where it, it didn't end with a woman getting married. Yeah, and we never talk about after, ever after. No, because we talk about how to find romantic love, but absolutely nothing about how to sustain it. Uh, there is a comedian who's now in a big show called Ted Lasso, and his name is Brett Goldstein. And I once saw a live show of his in which he was talking about this. And he said, you know, he was asking his sister why she's in a really stable relationship but he hasn't been in many stable relationships and they've had the same upbringing and she said to him well it's because you always go for a 10 of excitement and what you don't realize is that that feeling that panic that rush is actually adrenaline and it is your fight or flight response telling you to fucking run away <laughs> it is the it's telling you there is a saber-toothed tiger right in front of you <laughs> And you need to leave. And actually what you need to be doing is going for the six of, not of attraction, you can be very attracted to someone, but the six of excitement where you're like, I really like hanging out with you. I can't stop talking to you. I really feel like myself. And what you do is you take that six and you slowly build up to a 10 of excitement after you actually know someone. And that was such an important thing for me to hear because my boyfriend and I have been together for almost eight years. And thanks uh i think that was my manager who's very relieved that i found someone <laughs> so she doesn't have to deal with me anymore um but i uh i we almost didn't date each other because we felt so happy and calm in our relationship yeah so we kept on insisting that it was just shagging for like nine months also i didn't tell him i'd talk about him and i'm really sorry james uh but anyway we we felt too happy and too calm and all of the stories we'd ever heard made it sound like that was just friendship. It was too safe. And so we almost thought maybe it's boring. And then slowly over time, we realized, no, this oh, is no, actually this is what healthy, good love is. And I still feel so calm and like I can be my exact can't do reverse cowgirl self <laughs> around him. Some people are clinically weak. Don't judge me. All right. <laughs> You're not better than me. Probably are. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, that's in itself is really interesting because I think I think been thinking a lot recently about like our relationship to passion and what we have always seen passion as. And obviously, mm -hmm. like all we think about is this fire, you know, the fire emoji and like all these kind of quite dangerous feelings, actually. And I'm thinking I was just thinking about passion in terms of actually 
it's it's intensity but it's not like throwing all of your life into the fire yeah, in, you in order to sustain to this person. Exactly. Chucking all the best bits of yourself out the window in the name of this love that you're feeling for this person who is toxic. A hundred percent. And making you toxic as well, by the way. Like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a two-way street. Okay. So after the love bombing happens, right? Mm. How soon did you find the bad behavior, the inevitable bad behavior started creeping in? Oh God, I mean, the thing that, are you, are you even aware because it was so insidious? I look back on that relationship and I probably knew it was bad about, like knew it was really bad about three years in. Mm-hmm. Before which, I think I just thought that was our dynamic. Like that's the alchemy that he and I are creating in this space together. And like, what's my price of admission putting up with it? Mm-hmm. Like I put up with this behavior. I put up with this kind of like alchemy, this, this toxicity or this kind of st- thing that's not making me very happy. And I go, well, as I said before, everything about my life has led up to this moment, apparently, according to every narrative I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. This is love. This is my chance as well, which has a lot to do with self-worth, which we could talk about. I mean, mm-hmm. I could talk about that all day, but I was just like, we've just got you know we're we're just fiery you know we're just fiery we're Sid and Nancy Passionate. we're Batman Taylor like we're you know we're Kathy and Heathcliff that's our vibe I'd rather be yeah. that than boring you it's also like, talk in your book brilliantly about wanting to be the cool girl even when he is belittling you on stage in his shows prick uh <laughs> you wanted to laugh it off and and yeah, seem like I, you're above it and like whatever I'm secure you, you were trying to exude constant security totally like I didn't want to be one of those girls they're so earnest they can't laugh at themselves you know I'm not like that at all in fact I've always been complimented on my sense of humor and like suddenly it's like actually that's sort of a, a part of my personality that I really clung to at great cost to myself of course mm-hmm. and that happens quite a lot I think in these relationships you know you sort of go Oh, but I'm, I'm really strong. Strength is something that in gaslighting and emotionally abusive relationships, we really cling to because I also say to him all the time, I'm like, it's a good job that we've got each other because not everyone would be able to put up with this, you know, or like, yeah, exactly. Or like, it's a good job that I'm a strong, I'm a strong, independent woman because I can put up with his shit and not everyone else would be able to. And at what point do you start going, oh, hang on, but I don't have to. But that have to. <laughs> I knew you would love her. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we, we're never really taught that. We're just, you know, taught relationships take compromise and they're hard work. And it's not a party, is it? You know, it can't, it can't be like that all the time. So be careful. <laughs> it's fine. Most people are going to hear this on podcasts. They won't know I did anything true, wrong. Actually. <laughs> and you didn't. <laughs> Um, no, it's a hundred percent true. And you know what? It's so shocking how many of us, however strong, however confident, however well-informed or emotionally intelligent we may be, how easy it can be for any of us to fall into this scenario, into this nightmare. Often, like not always, but often it's the strong, like sexy, cool, intelligent people who find themselves in these scenarios because they don't see it coming. And also it's not a challenge to erode someone who is passive or already subservient or has that kind of in them. 
And these people who are narcissists or these people who are, are intimidated and emasculated by women like us or anyone actually, it's not a gendered thing, but like, you know, people, these, these narcissists, they go for people because they want to be associated with these amazing mm-hmm. women, men, whoever. And then it just becomes too much for them. hundred yeah. percent. I mean, I, I've dated someone like that. He was such a bastard that he would, <laughs> he would, and I hope he's listening right now. Uh, but he would undermine me so constantly after at the beginning of the relationship being like, you're the most beautiful girl in the world. You don't need any makeup. No, no, you're perfect. You're perfect. You just, just, just all over me, like instilled in me a confidence that I'd never had before because I'd been so shy my whole life. And he was the second person I'd ever kissed. And I was in my twenties. So I am a low, a late starter. And (laughs) and my number is still six. So I didn't ever really finish. uh, Anyway. <laughs> but he was one of six people I kissed. Uh, and after love bombing me and making everything feel like a movie. And the, th- the problem is, these sons of bitches are watching our movies. Okay? They're watching our movies. I'm telling you, they say they don't watch it because they don't want us to know that they know. They know what we're looking for. They've read it all. And, and again, people of any gender can be guilty of this behavior. Totally. But there is a phenomena, I would say, of women who tend to be subjected to this by men. 100%. Yeah, and absolutely. So, this is about, this is about power, yeah. right? And that's a patriarchy thing. It's not, it's not a gendered thing, you know, which is why you get women as well who are emotionally abusive towards men because actually they're patriarchal women. It's, actually, it's, it's, it's purely power driven. 100%. But this guy is way too personal. Uh, to say but when have I ever had boundaries Uh, but he it was a slow it was a slow kill with me like he just it happened in such little ways that I almost didn't miss it and I remember hearing this absolutely horrendous analogy and I'm so sorry for what I'm about to say because it's so vivid but someone said that when you cook a frog already Mm. starting badly sorry Mm. you don't put it in boiling water because it'll jump right out You put it in cold water and then you slowly bring it to a boil. And that way, by the time it realizes it's boiling, it's too late and it's dead. And that delightful analogy reminds me a bit of that relationship because he slowly boiled me to death to the point where I was still staying after having sex with him when he had deliberately put pictures of Victoria's Secret models up all over his wall Oh and would make sure that I could see that he was looking at them while sleeping with me and I didn't leave. Feminist of the year, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but it can happen to anyone. Someone can just hyper-normalise you to being constantly undercut. And it doesn't just have to be a partner. This can happen with a parent towards you. This can happen with a teacher. This can happen with colleagues, a boss. This can happen anywhere. And that's why this conversation is so much bigger than just your relationship. What you have exposed in this book is the system of this behaviour and how to spot it and how to prevent it in ourselves. And yes, so I overshared and I'm sorry, but that is a, a graphic takeaway as to one of the worst moments in my relationship. Honestly, history. it is like that. It's, and it's like, you know, I used to say that every, every like comment or every sort of slightly disparaging thing mm-hmm. or like just a, just a doing a 180 on things like you're so beautiful, you don't need makeup. Just like 
and then suddenly that not being the case anymore it feels like a tiny dart that hits your body or like you know an acupuncture needle mm-hmm. and then like one is fine it sort of hurts but you're like yeah you know i can i can deal with that what you don't notice is that they're all they're just creating holes over your body over time it's slowly bleeding out This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week you know as you're bottling things up because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel you know you're going to get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to and this therapist isn't going to take it personally and they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week you just have this complete freedom honestly I think everyone should have therapy regardless of whether they think they need it because it's so amazing to have a confidant it's a journal that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food service. Save big money and start your spring project with help from Menards. We offer a huge selection of body plants, veggies, and herbs to plant at home and grow yourself. Right now, all four and a half inch Bonnie plants are on sale through May 5th. Head to the Menards Garden Center to get your garden growing and check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at One of the things in your book that I found so startlingly, it re- it was so unpretentious and so unguarded of you to write about is how much accountability you insist upon taking for this relationship. Now, a lot of the time we are completely understandably encouraged to feel victimized and we are being victimized by someone who is terrible and dysfunctional who's subjecting us to their own trauma that's bleeding out over them onto us Mm. but can you talk to me a bit about why it was important for you to take some accountability as to ending up in that situation staying in that situation completely because taking accountability is the only way that you can rest assured it will never ever happen again Mm -hmm. if you make your life just about victimhood it's a prison you know you're just going to stay in the same place pointing the finger over there 
blaming, judging, attacking, that person doesn't give a fuck. That person is is walking around living the rest of their life, not caring what they did to you. And so there you just are wasting your energy still, just like you did the whole time in the relationship. Yeah, and it is... I find it empowering to sometimes take some accountability, to sometimes say to myself, okay, there were some things, there were red flags I willfully ignored, Mm -hmm. or there were some things about me that were incomplete before I got into a relationship that left me vulnerable to this person. And that doesn't make me feel any shame at all. The shame is still all on them. But it gives me some feeling of, oh, you know what? Rather than shadow boxing for the rest of my life, there are things I can do to avoid this potentially from happening to me again and that makes me feel strong going forward completely it's not about taking responsibility for what happened at all it's just like what is my part in this what was it what was the hole in my soul that I was trying to fill by this person like and I allowed them to and that's essentially what's happened and you touched on it there when you were talking about like I didn't know myself when I went into this relationship I absolutely did and I was looking for something to complete me yeah and it's just it's a recipe for disaster. I mean, it was. It literally was a disaster. <laughs> Not to be too personal, but... <laughs> what was the hole in your soul? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, I suppose... I suppose that what I was missing, if that's what you're asking... Yeah. Um, was... It wasn't a funny joke. So, is that what that came across as? I just don't know with you to be oh, like, I'm no, always on the no, edge. It wasn't. No, I genuinely meant, I was like, what? Do you mind talking to us? Um, oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I meant, I just meant, what was wrong with you, basically? What the like, hell was wrong with you? <laughs> that's what I was asking. I will absolutely tell you what, is, <laughs> okay. what was, was wrong with me. I was going to say, what is? Um, what was wrong with me? And I don't that- mean that in the actual shaming language that came across. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I'll talk of about course. mine after you. Low self-worth, low self-esteem. Yeah, absolutely. Just feeling at my core, I guess. I mean, the core, the core shame that goes right to the bottom if we're going to overshare is not lovable, you know, something really, really deep-rooted, which isn't something that I think about every day. You know, it's something I've had to really go deep and investigate. Not lovable, not beautiful enough, not thin enough, you know, all this stuff that we're told time and time again, that like, it just creeps into your body and it lives there. And then when someone comes along that tells you the complete opposite of that, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? Say no. <laughs> like, suddenly it's like, oh, great. He solved all my problems by telling me all the things that I would love to hear about myself. But now, of course, the trick to that is finding out what they are and I'll tell them to myself. <laughs> absolutely 100% an amen uh, the reason I asked that is that in your book you so beautifully keep going back and forth from like what's happening now to where all of these chips where all of these holes began right and mm. so all the little ways from as young as you can remember in which people started to kind of undermine you or make you feel like you're not enough yeah can you speak a bit to that? Yeah, sure. So there's a chapter in the book where I'm four. Is that the one that you're mm-hmm. talking about? Yeah. I had this moment when I was really young um, that came to me when I was writing the book and I was like, you know what? This actually has to be more about investigating the female experience and those little cheeky disparaging comments that have found their way under my skin. Like 
I was a really loud kid, like just not violent, like not 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 aggressive. I mean, that's a low bar, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> not not violent, not aggressive. Um, never hurt anyone, but I was loud, and therefore I was shamed because I was a girl. Because boys are allowed to like run around the playgrounds, mm-hmm. you know, shooting each other and trying to like literally murder each other in some cases mm-hmm. when they're children. But because they're just passionate. They're passionate. Yeah. They're just a bit rough and tumble. But yeah. because well, I, boys will be boys. Boys will be boys. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. And then stop nagging them. God. <laughs> It's only nagging if I have to say it more than once. Um, <laughs> but I'm there and I'm, I'm just, I, I just knew what I wanted from a really early age and wasn't afraid to ask for it, but I'm the one that was shamed. And then there was this one instance where I just, I, I was a really good kid as well. Like I was quite, I was quite fearful of authority and I was super sensible. But there was just one moment in my youth where I was like, I'm going to go and ask these twin boys in my class to come get naked with me in the woods that we're not allowed to go in. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's an absolute... A classic. <laughs> I was like, come with me. <laughs> to the pair of them. Walked up to them. And this is the twins, right? The twins, yeah. yeah the twins. <laughs> I walked up to them. I was like, follow me. <laughs> Just sort of led them in there. <laughs> and I was like, get them off. <laughs> Just say I was obviously reiterate yeah. that I was four as well. Um, Good, but but then there was this. We had this moment, and I remember it really vividly. Where suddenly we were there, you know, and just being innocent and being sweet. And I remember just my chest just tightened, and I was like, just became very conscious of the fact that it was me that had instigated this, and that I'd bossed them around, and that I was this sort of loud girl who had made these really nice sort of beta males like come and do Did what you? I oh. do what I said <laughs> do what I said and I and I really panicked about it I had this real thing and then I went back into the classroom and I had just the fear of God in me that yeah. everyone was going to find out they were going to tell my parents like I was going to be shamed or it, it was just this yeah it was a real pressing thing that no one had ever told me specifically explicitly this was not something I should be doing but it was as though like I don't know it was just as though I mean I'm going to use the patriarchy even though I was four I had no idea what that meant but like it just found its way into my body somehow I just knew that it was the the wrong thing to have done and that it was shameful yeah right although still and not shaming you at all as your four-year-old self, definitely don't order anyone to take their clothes off <laughs> as adults. As long as we're all clear about that, that's it was, fine. There was an enthusiastic consent. Great, so great, great. Fine. No, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to make that clear. Um, but a lot of your childhood, you were told, or it was implied that you were too much. Mm. And then by boys at school and girls at school and you yourself comparing yourself to like the magazines or the pop stars yeah. and all these things that chip away at us. Totally. And then what happens? You find yourself in this relationship and you're just so used to living and existing in that space. The invisible space. The invisible space that exists between too much and not enough. And Mm. suddenly there you are and you're just accustomed to it. And so it's like, well, this is just life, right? This This is how I operate. And I, you know, I always say about this particular story and this relationship, but I didn't think I was in a toxic relationship. I just thought I was in a relationship. 
you know. and is that because there isn't that much information out there not really like we know the jargon now we know the term gaslighting it gets used incorrectly most of the time like it we we are probably also by me um but we we don't really have a lot of really specific stories about it's not mundane but compared to the kind of stories of abuse that we hear in the media there is something mundane about this right it's not dramatic it's not eye-catching it's not there are there are no physical bruises we don't really have a lot of stories about the emotional bruises or the emotional scars that often last even longer and I get it because there's such space for those stories that yes. are explosive and that do need to be told. Yeah. However, these stories, they, you know, of emotional abuse, you know, they, they take place over years and years. There is actually huge challenges mm-hmm. to putting something that is as nuanced as this and insidious as this on a screen anywhere. And it means that my cultural benchmark for what an abuse victim looks like is little Mo from EastEnders, mm-hmm. who I'm absolutely nothing like. And who I, and I think women like that are women that are in abusive relationships, not women like me. I mean, there were times in your relationship where you'd actually see something absolutely heinous happen in the world or on the news or out on the street and then think to yourself how lucky you were to absolutely. be with someone. I'm a lucky girl, yeah. I have a, you know, I live in a nice flat in London with my generous boyfriend, who is very generous, you know. Not emotionally. No. <laughs> but... Uh, like and, and and here I am and, and and I'm hearing awful stories about you know fucking women getting stoned to death because they're carrying a mobile phone you know mm-hmm. trans women getting burned in their own houses my friends who had you know a, a horrible miscarriage and and it's just like what have I got to moan about and when I d- I'm not supported by the narratives that we're seeing on screen and that we're you know told are abusive when i'm not when my experience isn't being supported by that then i have absolutely nothing to cling to just a feeling that there's something wrong with me so as we're on a stage right now talking about just that let's talk about some of the signs to look out for and obviously each of these each of these cases is individual but they are alarmingly similar when you start to get into the weeds and when people start to share their kind of war stories with each other i know that happened when you and i first met Yes, it's unbelievably cathartic. And, and like, it is astonishing how when you are with these people, you think they're so smart. And then you speak to other people and you're like, oh, they're all the same. They're yeah, there's a fucking book somewhere that we don't know like, about. Honestly, it's I, like we a need how to, to get the book. Because <laughs> it's out there. Because it's like a, it's a play-by-play. One of, the, one of the things that I would always ask you to look out for and i know this definitely happened to you is them starting to say those little comments that try to isolate you from your friends yeah try to turn you against the people who love you who can see you who know you who might be able to tell that your behavior is changing did someone fall over are you okay (laughs) we're all good okay fabulous um (laughs) just making sure i was like i'm good but i'm not that good um no (laughs) What were we talking about? Yes. Um, so so it's isolating you from your friends. That's something that happened to you, Yeah, correct? your friends aren't really your friends. Or just that kind of... I can't even remember, like, your friend ever being happy for you. And all you ever seem to do is slag them off. Yeah. Just and something as, like... This occurred after casual. a friend had raised concerns this to you about your relationship. My friend came up to me and said... You know, th- th- my ex was telling an anecdote that didn't paint me in a very favourable light, shall we say. And my friend came up to me and he was like, you don't deserve that. 
like you deserve to be happy and I don't think you are and suddenly that coupled with like I don't think they've ever been happy for you it's just a good enough reason to go cool well the onus in my life and in so many lives of women around the world is on romantic relationships so guess what's got to give my mate yeah because you think you're only going to spend the rest of your life with one person and you're not (laughs) the people you're going to need the most in your life are going to be your friends do not ever ever sacrifice those relationships i absolutely did when i was in that abusive relationship because he told me my friends were making fun of me behind my back he would say all kinds of things to undermine my trust in people that i'm still friends with now 19 years later 19 years later (laughs) um (laughs) and he he would do everything he could because he knew that these people would be able to see that my behavior was changing. I was starting to retreat into myself. He told me that I was annoying, not untrue, I know. But like he would tell me <laughs> I was too loud. He would tell me so many things were wrong with me and constantly nitpicked to me to the point where I would often say like, why are you with me then? Yeah. Why do you, why are you staying if I'm all of these terrible I things? Say, I used to say, what am I for? Yeah. And what would he say? I don't know, some shit. <laughs> <laughs> weird like it would come to these points and again like reading your book I was like does she just steal my story because like it's the same and it's gonna be the same for so many of you and that makes me feel so sad but you would try and leave because you get sick of it and because you feel disrespected and unloved and then suddenly out come the waterworks and the drama and the Heathcliff moment where he turns up you know begging for you to come back his life can't live without you I need you boom he's found your ego I need you. Yeah. That's the one. Don't let anyone ever tell you that they need you because what they're saying is, I'm going to allow you to take responsibility for me. And taking responsibility for yourself is such a hallmark of a healthy relationship. A hundred percent. I've never heard it put quite like that. And I love that. I agree that we should only be with people that we want and that people should only be with us because they want us. I think need is something really tricky. I've never personally subscribed to the idea of, you know, uh, not to quote the Spice Girls right now, but like, you know, (laughs) to become one. I I don't think that you're two halves of a person and then you become complete. Um, Although I love them and I love that song. Uh, And that video. Yeah, a great video. It's a great video. Do you remember the deer at the end? Yes, Yeah, the deer, the baby deer at the end. (laughs) (laughs) But I really believe it is two whole people coming together and then coexisting with peace and respect. Totally. I think it is so damaging. Those like half heart necklaces, I want to burn them all. Because oh, yeah. I think that they are setting us up for, for failure and relying too much on one other person. Totally. And also when you're sort of... When the ego gets involved in that way... Mm-hmm. I mean, I had there's a passage in the book where I talk about, you know, at first I was desired which is probably the best bit. Mm-hmm. Like that was really good, that bit. You mean banging? D- yeah, we're back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, all over the world. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, first I was desired yeah. and then I was wanted, but now I'm needed. Like now I'm a necessity. And it's like, if I walked, like, if I walked away right now, you wouldn't be able to survive. That's the power I have. 
you know it's it's not just ego though it's also conditioning especially for women we're taught that is your purpose your purpose is to nourish and nurture and Mm -hmm. and and feed and provide and everyone should you know you should be the matriarch there is this mothering pattern that can happen in a relationship that also fucks the relationship you have to be very careful of that you are (laughs) you this person is not your baby and yeah. and I think that that is very very important to understand. Why oh, is everyone okay. laughing? <laughs> I don't. Did I do it? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> but they but they but they aren't. And I think it's so important to just maintain your your power. I've heard that other expression that I don't particularly like. Of you know like someone's the the flower and the other person's the gardener and the relationship. Fuck oh, that. I hate that so I much. I fucking hate that. That's so it lame. makes me so angry. Like everyone's a flower, everyone's a fucking gardener, all right? They're like this idea yeah. of subscribing roles. Of course, some people are better than other things in relationships. I'm better at organizing. James can understand the thermostat and I can't. That's fine. <laughs> but this flower gardener shit is so toxic and again, setting you up for failure. I personally believe in making sure that I'm, I'm never going to look for my partner to hold absolutely everything I need from all people just within himself yeah because that's setting him up for failure it's setting us up for failure totally that's why you need your friends around because you are allowed to and you can and you should take the things that you need from multiple sources totally be the different versions of yourself that you have that we all have with different people can't be all things to one person and like i know what it's like when you first fall in love with someone and like you know healthy or not you do want to spend all your time with them. It's lovely. Like, it's completely lush. I love being in love, like, at the beginning. And, and you do want that person to be around constantly. But I'm telling you, if I could give you a piece of advice, just don't. <laughs> like, yeah. just don't. Like, don't cancel on your friend because you want to stay in bed with your new boyfriend or, like, whoever. Like, just go. Because sometimes, I think, in, in matters of the heart, and in love especially, it's, like, recognising what you want to do short-term and what's best long-term and just do the long-term. Hundred percent. Such such valuable (laughs) advice. Where the fuck were you twenty years ago when I needed you? Oh my goodness. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because the charcoal mess. Great. Because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh. Why is charcoal so sticky? Uh, Hello. Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Save big money in your next project with help from Menards. Move water where you need it quickly with a Barracuda sump pump. Sump pumps keep your basement dry when big storms hit unexpectedly. Get a half-horsepower cast-iron Barracuda sump pump on sale now through May 5th. Hurry into Menards and don't forget to check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at There was an incident early-ish on within the relationship in which you found Facebook messages to another woman that were deeply, deeply inappropriate. Yes. Red. 
<laughs> Therein kind of really began the gaslighting, right? At first he was accountable, but then suddenly from having shared computers and shared passwords, suddenly it was separate computers yeah, and separate passwords. And it, it went very quickly from, I'm sorry to, what were you doing checking? Like, say, say it full. This is so, so common. I can't even tell you. Where have we found this narrative where a woman feeling instinctively like something is going on with her partner and checking and finding out that there is and her being the psycho? Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Honestly, it does, Someone just it makes, clicked so hard that... It makes my blood <laughs> They must dislocate their arm. Exactly. <laughs> it, honestly, it makes my, it's making my blood boil just sitting here. So, yeah. Back at the beginning of our relationship, we were about nine months into our relationship. Mm-hmm. Like everything was great. Everything was fucking great. Nothing had changed. Nothing had slowed down. Like it was just brilliant. And then I went onto our shared laptop, logged into Facebook. But it automatically came up and saw these messages. And I was like, who the fuck is this person? Like, who's Mia? And then looked through and they were explicit messages where they had arranged to meet up at one of his gigs and have sex in the toilets. And it's like are you fucking kidding me? And then I call him up and I'm like, who's Mia? And he's like, who? (laughs) Piece of shit. (laughs) Um, Anyway, at which point I was like, cool, maybe you need to check your Facebook and see you never and left. And then all that week, it's just like, please, please hear me out. Please hear me out. Like, I, I, I love you and I don't want this to end. This is just crazy. Didn't mean anything. Just messages. Exactly. Just messages. Never happened, you know, and I was always drunk. It was a one-off drunken mistake that I'm truly sorry for, which incidentally um, was his official statement after the Strictly episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, it's not funny. <laughs> it is funny. It's like, come on, man. Yeah. Change the script. <laughs> Jeez. What do you think I'm going to do? Not say anything. Like, I wrote a damn book about it. Um <laughs> Sorry, a best-selling, a best-selling book. A best-selling book in which Emma fucking Thompson gave a quote. Like, you win, you win. But anyway, so I was like, you know what? Everyone does make mistakes. And what am I going to do? Am I just going to be stubborn for stubborn's sake here? Like, I do love this person and I do want to be in love and I do see a future with him. So I forgave him. We just carried on. And then gradually, I can't put my finger on exactly when it happened. But over time, you sent explicit messages to another woman on Facebook became, what were you doing on Facebook anyway, looking at my messages, which then became separate laptops and passwords that I wasn't told and lectures on the importance of privacy and (laughs) just stuff that happens all the damn time time and guess what like as we were talking about earlier you know because of our conditioning and because we women are conditioned for codependency like they they, they estimate that something like 90 percent of it's, it's a u.s study people in the u.s exhibit signs of being in codependent relationships what like, does that mean codependent relationships it means that you actually are so entwined that you you can't you you kind of can't function it's it's also about accommodating a lot of instances especially with women is about accommodating your partner so minimizing yourself in order that they take up the space like my minimizing the way that that works with me is minimizing my achievements because I didn't want to emasculate my partner Mm. you know um agreeing to sex even without checking in with myself whether that's something that I want to do yeah because he's up for it so 
might as well it's a complicated grey area because you sort of feel a bit like you're molesting yourself (laughs) you know what I mean when you agree to something that you don't really want to do even if you're not being pressured you're doing it just because you're like well I don't want him to go off with someone else so I should just do it anyway it's I agree like I talk about it in terms of like self-violation yeah like I talk about it and in fact there's an instance in the book about codependent traits outside of relationships outside of romantic relationships where you can still exhibit them um just with other people there's an instance where this guy comes that I met on like on an app I think I met him on tinder and he comes over and I don't want him there and I don't want him in my house and the no is just stuck in my throat you know and so that is a codependent trait because I'm not voicing myself because there's a presence here that I'm accommodating and I and I write in the book you know in that I went you know I went to bed with this guy performed like willingness and that is my fault like I, I I did that to me and that was I mean that was definitely my dark night of the soul moment where I was like wow that was when I had this eureka moment about that accountability we were talking about earlier on where I was like oh it doesn't matter that that strictly x was a massive coward and a prick it doesn't matter that like this other guy that I was seeing had no emotional language it doesn't matter that my first boyfriend was sort of a loser what what actually the, the truth the fact of the matter is the problem is that I do not believe I deserve better than that and that is when you start taking responsibility for your life and taking accountability and going now it will never happen again yeah and stop waiting for other people to fill that void you have to fill it yourself you have to otherwise what's the, what's the alternative I'm just going to find myself in this over and over again we've both been called crazy in our abusive relationships so many times why is it that crazy is the thing that is mostly resorted to being given as a label to women other than than the whole of history and the whole of medical psychiatric (laughs) history other than that in which if you were even just gay you could be locked up in an asylum for the rest of your life yeah is that basically are we still dealing with the ghosts of that past in which women have just been told any mood swing, any desire to stop having sex, any that, yeah, and any desire for com- pleasure, yeah, anything that we want that isn't what we've been told we're allowed is a sign that we are insane. Are these just the remnants? Is this the debris from that? I mean, short answer is probably um, <laughs> <laughs> next. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, what I, what I actually think is that, you know, this is the, the, the interesting question that goes, that lies even deeper than that. Sorry. Is, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> have, Go on. Sorry, how Tory party was that? No, no, I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, is, is why, why is it that women were called crazy in the first place? I can't imagine that like, you know, pe- women in ancient Greece were any sort of, you know, wilder or doing any more sort of nutbaggy things than any of us are doing at the moment. Mm-hmm. But they were sort of, they were just given this label. And actually, <laughs> the only explanation that I can possibly give is that men are terrified of women and, are, mm-hmm. and, and how powerful women are. Like, I really think that is the case. And when you're looking at things like, you know, the divine feminine and you go back and you think about like Tantra and and how women were just like absolutely idolized. I mean, revered. We're talking, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago, obviously, but like 
women, you know, fucking hell, like we come 10 times harder than men. I mean, like we, we, we give life, like we carry life in us, you know, and men were always seen as just the kind of thing that helped us along like and by in the our way, journey. like and by the way, I think that that's a bit sad, right? Like I think that part of why there is this divide between men and women is partially because our relationships have been so devalued. Mm. I I think it's so upsetting that men for the longest time have felt like their only need is I didn't mean for this to rhyme, but the seed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know that that that's all that they're good for is to you know protect and forage and then seed and it's like well now we have uber eats and (laughs) we have doors with locks and windows and they're like aren't that many tigers around um and so we're kind of okay we've learned how to put our you know keys in between our fingers when we walk home you know we're, we're generally much more independent than we've ever been and so therefore now there's this feeling of redundancy that they don't need to have because a lot of my best friends are men and and none of those relationships, whether or not I wanted them to be, was sexual. Um, <laughs> um, just not very, not very smooth. Um, very bad at that. Uh, but um, anyway, enough about me. Uh, men are great collaborators and they can be a great source of of joy and friendship and and creation like I, they're, they're so so far beyond just these things where they need to serve us absolutely provide for us it's like we could just have great friendships and we, there just aren't that many stories about great friendships every fucking film about a great friendship they always get together at the fucking end it always ends mm. up being about sex it always ends up being about fucking relationships there are just no there's nowhere near enough stories unless the man is gay between a man and a woman yeah and that is fucking all of us up because then they feel completely undervalued and that I think leads to an insecurity and a fear that they're beca- they're being wiped out. Women are now having, you know, there's a menu of sperm donors they can pick. They don't even need you for that anymore. So that's that's all I think is just potentially that that's part of it. I'm, I'm not saying, oh, poor everyone or poor men. I'm just saying that we have to fix the narrative around how we coexist with one another and extend that beyond this very arbitrary old-fashioned bullshit of everything is just about love i completely agree yeah, yeah. absolutely i mean masculinity is a really interesting topic i think at the moment because we're just kind of i mean we're just figuring out how masculinity exists in everyone regardless of gender mm-hmm. and actually the that that sort of when that's out of balance then that's a problem and of course what you get when lots of people wrongly assume that feminism is about women taking over men Mm -hmm. as opposed to just kind of leveling up um is you get this whole faction of society especially men look at incel for god's sake you just go over to this like you know little little pocket over there and start hating women and becoming sort of deciding to become more men I'm going to be more of a man, you know, and they completely eradicate the feminine from them in that instance. And we all know now we're finding out that actually we've got feminine and masculine in both, in both of them in us. Mm -hmm. And it's just about finding that balance. And like, if everyone's doing that, then what's the, what's the trouble? It's when you start denying those bits of yourself that 
everything goes to shit and we don't need to prescribe the roles also just like slightly aside um i recently found out on this same very podcast uh what the term is for an indian incel did you know did anyone know that there's a different term pretty fucking offensive are you ready <laughs> oh, God. it's a curry cell no please <laughs> didn't make that up that's real no that's real people okay. looking at each other in disbelief and they call themselves that pretty extraordinary okay <laughs> right uh, <laughs> anyway yeah. i just uh, had to impart because if i have to live with that knowledge so do so you do we. okay Thank i can't you. walk around with this shit in my head all day alone <laughs> Um, what would you say out of all of this has been the greatest lesson for you? Oh, I've got lots of, um, lots of sentences fighting for attention in my brain. Um, the greatest lesson for me is what we don't have, we don't have a definition of love in our society. There is no way to define it because it represents so many different things that of course that means that love and abuse can coexist because you get but I know he she they love me while that's happening at the same time but love has to comprise has to comprise of respect responsibility for yourself open and honest communication affection, care, trust, none of which exist in an abusive dynamic. 100%. Yeah. And would you mind telling us about the standing in front of the mirror in the nude? <laughs> because I think even though I still haven't yet had the courage to do it, we could all learn something from it and maybe we'll all go home tonight and just get fresh. <laughs> Get a little bit afraid. <laughs> um, yeah, I just had this moment, really. I mean, I was, I was sort of in my in my bedroom the day after. So I so I, I didn't actually get to this point in the story. So when my ex boyfriend and his dance partner were on the front pages of the newspapers on that Sunday, the following day, I wrote a statement about his gaslighting, and I just put it online. I didn't have any followers really at that time. Um, and was just like, I just need to do this for me because I've been voiceless in that relationship for such a long time. Like, I can't stay voiceless moving forward. I have to reclaim that for myself. So I put it online anyway, it went viral and um, was literally like on the news, <laughs> like an hour after it went out. And then the next day there I am, I'm sort of existing inside my laptop like the next day, sitting on my bed in, my, in the attic room that I was staying at in my friend's house. And something just like took over me and I'm like a zombie, like wearing these pajamas that my friend had given me. I walked over to this mirror and like just looked in it and I was like, right, I'm just going to look at myself, you know, like I'm just going to, this, I'm all I have, you know, <laughs> this body, it is all I've got. So it might make sense to kind of try and start liking it because otherwise I have to live every single day for the rest of my life not. And that feels, uh, feels completely impossible, actually. So I was like, right, okay, I'm just going to go through from toe to head, start the bottom of the way up, 
all of the things that I tell myself about my body all the time. Can you imagine anything more terrifying? Yeah, it was like, you know, it was awful. Like, you know, and you're there and I'm like, oh, you know, old pedicure, that's chipped. I need to get that sorted out. I never like my ankles and I've got those weird sort of moles on my calves and my knees look like a sort of fat man's face. And... And like just going all the way up to the top. And I was like, right, right. Be objective here because that, and and as well, it all happens simultaneously. It's not like I just, you know, like a list that I go through. It's not anything I have to think about. It's just like a big sonic boom of below standard, you know, just comes at me. And I was like, right, okay, well, let's try and be objective about this, shall we? (laughs) What is actually wrong with me? Nothing. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with me. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah. It's just all I'm hearing, all I'm hearing is the voice of a thousand magazines. Mm-hmm. Like that. If I had avoided those my whole life, I'm sure they would have found another way to get into my body. But I think about myself completely differently. It has nothing to do with what I think of myself. Absolutely not. And then once I started doing that, I mean, it's not been easy. It's not like overnight I was like, I have a fabulous body. Like, you know, like, that's not what happens. But it's just meant that I just can be more compassionate to myself when I realise that those opinions have nothing to do with me. Yeah. And this is part of the safeguarding, right? This is part of the way that you protect yourself by starting to love and respect every part of yourself is actually quite a vital exercise yeah it's oh my god and it's hard work it is hard work but it's doable and it's possible and and i know people who've read your book who've done it and found ways to find compassion and love for all the bits that they were taught to hate because i think slowly but surely we're really starting to piece together that it was truly just a group of like sort of 17 men who are profiting from our (laughs) self-hatred and uh, they are deliberately making us feel like shit because only unhappy people go out and buy stuff and so they keep telling us things are broken so that they can sell us things to fix the thing that was never broken fuck these men (laughs) and i (laughs) think and i think and i think that the more we can start to look at it as there is a whole industry that profits immensely off of our self-hatred there's like a fun fuck you rebellion that comes with just being very fun yeah exactly yeah and you start to throw those self-hatred thoughts in the bucket bucket because i've almost (laughs) imagined them i almost imagine them as like a committee in my head now and it's all 70 year old white men 17 of them around a board room table stay with me here and they are every time i think an evil thought about myself or say something bad about myself or even another woman whatever they make a bit more money like another dollar goes up at their board table and when i think of it like that i get so fucking pissed off that then it feels amazing to say no to say no to that learned shame that is based on absolutely nothing Our body types go in and out of fashion all the time. At some point, every single woman in this room or femme-presenting person has been the body ideal. It just might not be the right era for you. Oh, my God. What bullshit is that? Honestly. Honestly. I, I always say, like, if you don't like a bit of your body, just be patient. (laughs) because (laughs) I'm telling you I spent my whole high school trying to disguise the fact that like I'm packing junk like I have a big ass right right, my my whole 
high school years, I was just so ashamed. I was desperate, like, for no one to notice me. And now I'm like, quids in, like, what a lol. Yeah. Like, you're welcome. I've had the exact, <laughs> I've had the exact opposite realisation where I've realised I will never have a bottom. And <laughs> I've changed the lyrics to flat-bottomed girls, you make the rocking world go around. <laughs> Because uh, it's just important that we just give up. Squats <laughs> really hurt my fucking knees, guys. Okay, so. But the good they news could is. just keep it, all right? In 10 years. Days in in 10 years, not- though, you're going to be perfect. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it's so depressing. But this is part of the self-defense, right? We learn about physical self-defense. Self-defense of the mind is the thing that'll carry you through till your dying days. Mm. And building yourself up, protecting yourself, learning how to love yourself, learning how to spot the weaknesses you have for praise or external validation all these things that maybe you didn't get from a parent that you go out looking for outside in the world all those things leave you vulnerable and what this book is 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 so little about that affair or not it's so little about that relationship with that prick um Mm. it's mostly about going back and identifying those those now it sounds like I'm going to say something really profound because I've forgotten the word, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not. I'm not about to say something really profound. But those weaknesses, basically, and finding them, figuring out exactly where they came from, and going back to fix them before you allow yourself to be vulnerable again. There's a line in the book that stopped me in my tracks. That was that said, and I, I'm going to paraphrase this so horribly, so then fix it immediately after I get it wrong. Okay. Okay, I'm listening. But. if you wore your heart outside of your body would you be more careful about who you let hold it something like that yeah fuck (laughs) bollocks go on say it properly i know i think that that, i I can't remember (laughs) (laughs) it's really big it is but that sentiment really got me Mm. because i was like i have never thought about that i have i love so easily and so wholly sometimes and as I'm getting older I'm sad that part of that has been chipped away by the people who've taken my heart and abused it and and put it in the wrong places and and they've they've made me fearful of other people and that's really sad and I'm trying to work on that separately but thinking about it like that yeah in not too fearful a way I think is really important can you expand on the thought of course I mean I I like it's just you know imagine if it was something you know something tangible that you had in your hands that you could go up to someone and give it to like would you give would you give that to someone who you thought was mentally unstable would you give that to someone who you thought was had violent tendencies like you and that's not a that's not like a if someone has a mental illness you can still love them and give them your heart it's just that if someone has an instability that's going to harm you if someone absolutely what i meant was if 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 it felt as though they were going to be careless or disrespectful with it like would you do that especially because i'm mentally ill i really want my boyfriend to love me but (laughs) (laughs) i guess i guess that like as just as a concept i think it's probably quite important that we start thinking about those things because in sort of offering our love and ourselves and our truth and who we are to these people who we're unsure of it's, exa- it's the same thing. It's the same thing as giving it to someone who, you know, chucks it over their, chucks it over their shoulder or just forgets about it. Mm-hmm. Or like... Or tells it it's a psycho. Or tells it it's a psycho. Exactly. Or fucking chucks it against the fucking wall just to see what you'll do. You know? 
hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I would like to now take these questions to the audience because I know some of you would like to ask Rebecca or even me some questions. So we have a mic that's coming around now and I would love to hear from you. Oh, there's a question there. Hello. Hi. Um, um, my question is, um, oh, first of all, um, loved every moment of this. Um, <laughs> oh, thank is, you. Um, <laughs> that's so nice. Um, how would you suggest, um, if you say if you feel like you're in an, an unhealthy place, an unhealthy relationship, um, but you feel that perhaps the other person, they don't, they, don't, they don't see what they're doing as being toxic, even after you're speaking, and you actually kind of feel sorry for them, perhaps like you're trying to educate them, make them aware of what things, you know, is really contributing to unhealthy things in the relationship. Like, how would you approach that? Like... I know you you want to you want to educate but you also have to prioritize yourself I mean yeah like that's such a good way of putting it what I will just say just as a caveat of this is that I'm no expert I'm very much a you know romantic philanthropist but I (laughs) I I I definitely I'm, I'm not anyone that can that can talk about this from a place of education but what I will say is that it's that it's that priority and, and uh, of yourself and for me it was always feeling a disconnect with my intuition and from actively ignoring my intuition also because your body knows like your body knows when you're in a dynamic that isn't serving you your body just like it will try and speak to you like whether that's you know actual sort of dialogue or by being in pain or like I get kidney stones yeah I guess I get like I had when I was when I was in this relationship like I had back problems I never ever had back problems and I haven't since you know this just stuff that I was choosing to actively ignore but you're right you're right it is important that we all have a dialogue about this it is important that we educate one another about what this is because we don't you know i would i would hazard a guess i mean i'm no expert as i say but i would hazard a guess that 100% of people don't want to be identified as abusive like <laughs> you know people just don't want that but it's i guess it's just when you're having a conversation about stuff do they want to hear it are they open to it is it going to carry on despite the conversation having happened and just being really honest about that. I think I the most important question is, are you happy? <laughs> are you happy in the relationship? Because life is so fucking short and we really do deserve to be so, so happy. If you are going to deal with monogamy, how dare you monogamy if you are going to say out of all these billions of people in the world that I could sleep with, I mean, maybe somebody who's got more game than me could sleep with, <laughs> then if I'm going to make plans around you, if I'm going to not go on holiday with my friends for a month because of you, if I'm going to be so considerate all of the time, you better be fucking worth it. But it's so Amen. important to look at it from that perspective. It's a huge sacrifice. And so if someone isn't doing, in my opinion, and also like, I don't know who this person is. I don't want them to come after me if like, you break up with them because I said this. But if someone isn't willing to do everything they can, if someone knows they're making you uncomfortable and you say, I feel uncomfortable, and they do not take that as a red alert to go and do everything they can to make you feel better and to make themselves be the best version of them for you, who has to coexist with them in a relationship, then I'm not sure that person's ready to be in a relationship, to be perfectly honest. 
you deserve happiness and peace, especially when the world is fucking hard enough outside of your home. Inside the bedroom, inside the home, you deserve to feel well and safe and heard and believed and cherished. And so that's all I can say to that. Also not an expert in literally anything. Heaven, absolute heaven. Yeah, Uh, what she said. Um, Would anyone else like to ask two non-experts a question? Oh, the hands are flying up. Uh, Hello. Hi, um, hi, Jamila. Hi. It's a wonderful privilege to be able to look at your face and say, I fucking love you so much. Oh, thanks. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I have a question that's maybe... uh, it's about relationships but it's a little bit on the flip side Um, so I feel like I'm in a really wonderful relationship and I feel really really lucky first ever started dating 26 I beat you on that so um, I I, uh, my numbers are uh, they are what they are and I just feel like mate I'm trying to include screen kisses now in my number (laughs) to to beef up my number okay (laughs) go on Um, I I want to know if you if either of you think there is life beyond um, formative years filled with trauma. It feels like all of those most important years were were so trauma-informed and all of the worst things were modelled to me relationship-wise. And being 32 now and being in this wonderful relationship and being with a man who, you know, I've watched him go from wonderful guy always to now raging feminist solely because of the podcasts that we have (laughs) gotten to know through you. So thank you again. Um, I feel like I'm constantly getting in my own way. And I just feel like it's not me. It's not logical me. It's not current me. It's all the stuff that happened in the past. So do you have any advice or thoughts on this? I mean, I, I I have something just because I had such a traumatic childhood uh that i thought i would never be able to survive it and i often have tried to tap out of you know my life which i've stopped doing um lately um but uh <laughs> but i'm glad that's hilarious uh, to you. <laughs> but i uh i never thought that i would feel okay even i never thought i could even have an okay day i've been so mentally ill for so much of my life that i it's it's the person I am now, I didn't even think I could ever possibly get to, just as someone who can basically function and remember to brush our teeth pretty much every day. Um, there are therapies out there for you, obviously so fucking inaccessible. This country does not spend anywhere near fucking enough on mental health, and if we did, the world would be a much better place and every single system within this country would be better, but they don't seem to understand. Uh, I had a therapy called EMDR, which is Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing Therapy. If you can ever, ever access that therapy in any way, and it is on the NHS now, I strongly recommend it because the thing that for me at least was able to finally sever the tie between my memories and my my memories from them and my feelings now. And so that was something that helped me alongside self-forgiveness and doing the work and I don't have long enough to go through all the ways, but I promise I'll keep doing podcasts on them. I have I have truly been the maddest person I've ever met. And I mean that truly in a very literal way, in a colloquial term, insane. And I've gotten to a point where I'm here now, a relatively functional person. You will get better. You absolutely can. You will not be haunted by these ghosts forever. I promise. Yeah. That's all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
Anyone else? Hello? Hello. Just wanted to say, firstly, it's really surreal to watch and hear this outside of my phone. Like, I'm still <laughs> in shock. I keep looking up and being like, is this, like, what is this? I, I'm very... Mate, <laughs> it's insane to do this with dressed from the waist down. I've been doing this... <laughs> I've mean, been I doing listen, this yeah. on Zoom, I half to naked, this usually half with naked my dog also. giving itself a blowjob next to me. <laughs> like I, I can't believe I'm here with all of you. I thought these numbers were fake. Go on, sorry. <laughs> That's incredible. And yeah, I also love both of your works. Um, so my question's a bit, I guess, also kind of on a flip side. Um, coming from someone who's in an interracial relationship, and it's my first relationship ever, when you're surrounded by people who... I guess, are very loving and very caring on your side, but maybe on your partner's side, you have got those toxic people surrounding you. They're not needlessly toxic, but they're people who around them are. How would you go about dealing with that without, I don't know, like, how do you not become the toxic person by being like, don't talk to them or whatever? You don't have to fucking talk to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't, yeah. You definitely don't have to. No, this is what boundaries is all about. Yeah. yeah. The B word. The B word. My favourite word. word that is the hardest thing for me to do in no. the whole world. Yeah, absolutely. Whenever I, mean, I create a boundary, I burst into tears. Oh, uh, really? Like, I yeah, like it's awful. Really? Um, I practically come every time I create a boundary. <laughs> like I live no, the boundaries. No, I'm doing that too. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, uh, I would say to you genuinely, if you are being disrespected by anyone, whether they're related to you or not, whether they're related to someone you love or not, you are und- you are not obligated to spend any of your valuable lifetime with those people being disrespected. That is ridiculous. That's fully on them. And the more we allow people to treat us like this, the more they will continue to do so. Yeah. And they will continue to push that boundary even further. Yeah. So just disengage. You're not having sex with these people, I hope. No, no, definitely <laughs> exactly. not. And also, you know, just to add to that, like you can do, you can be boundaried and do that with compassion for them and like we, yeah. and with kindness in your heart but like it's it's it, it's kindness for yourself and respect for yourself with which you're doing it not in a kind of like I sever all ties because I can't be asked you know but I think that step stepping away with with patience and goodwill is actually just like something that we need to do far more of absolutely I mean I've literally cut most of my own family off and you know we're blood relatives but it's like if you can't meet me where I'm at then you really don't deserve my time because life is very very short if you feel up to it maybe offer them the opportunity to change by telling them how you how they make you feel I would always have faith in people at least and just extend that or but if it is met by being smacked down then you are out of there you could be shopping this is so true (laughs) exactly great fabulous thank Um, you so much no worries and and you in the dungarees down here hello i'll keep it quick okay the three-parter jesus fucking okay that's a contradiction in terms okay the first thing is a shameful confession that i've never actually listened to this podcast before but it's been fucking amazing oh thanks Thank you. The other one, the second part is an observation just to underline your comments on accountability. As someone who spent like the best part of 10 years of their dating life um, going into relationships where you wear your heart on your sleeve and you're like, why does everyone take advantage of me and why does every relationship last three months? (laughs) I think accountability is a really important thing that you can't over exaggerate. But the question is see, I told you it'd be quick. <laughs> you mentioned being at a wedding and the friend confronting you saying that you deserve better. Mm. Number one, are you friends with this person? And number two, how would you suggest confronting someone to say, 
Great. If you're in an abusive relationship and you deserve better. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome question. Well, firstly, um, that friend is, was an extremely old, extremely good friend that I opted to cut out in order to keep my relationship alive. And obviously the second that that relationship, you know, ended in a massive bin fire, um, there was there was the friend the next day, of course, like called me up, saw, saw them all, on, saw my ex on the front pages and just called me straight away. Like, just, yeah, of course, of course. And just, and please also just in case you're... Uh, hugely unfortunate binfire doesn't happen to be on the news. Mm-hmm. So you might feel embarrassed of reaching out to those friends and saying, you're right, please don't let your pride get in the way. Please reach out yeah. to those people because they loved you enough to tell you. And it takes so much to take that risk because when you do tell someone you are concerned about their relationship, you run the risk of making them isolate themselves yeah. from you or shut you out and not tell you details because they don't want to confirm what you see. That said... Calling it out was a recipe for disaster for me. Mm. It was always going to end with, bye, you know, because I was working so hard. And it wasn't just about like being in love with that person. I sort of don't think I was really in love with him for a good year, you know, if not more. It was my investment, like my investment and my pride in making this thing work. So actually, all my any friend that would have challenged it was just, you know, getting in the way of that. But actually it's just it's just about being a good kind compassionate friend when you know you will if if you've got a friend who is in a relationship like this I mean they say I work with women's aid sometimes and and they say that you know they say there are no visible signs for emotional abuse but there are because you can see it in someone's eyes like the light is just gone you know and the people who see that most clearly are the ones that love you the most because they see the difference and so it's just about, don't be afraid to ask questions about your friend's relationships. Don't pry, obviously. And, you know, you don't have to be ag- like aggressive or confronting, but don't be afraid to like have a dialogue about our relationships, like how things are going, like how they're feeling. Just make sure that those conversations are being had because you just know, you just know when someone's bullshitting you. And at which point then there's the decision to go, are you like, do you feel happy? You know, like, because you deserve that about empowering, you know, making them feel as though if the worst came to the worst, then, you know, their life wouldn't be over because the relationship is. Um, And also you can talk to Women's Aid. Women's Aid isn't just for people who are experiencing. Um, They also take loads and loads of calls and emails and they're all really cool there, you know, like about what to do and they can speak and you can give them information about what you know about your friend's relationship and they can sort of you know bespoke it yeah Yeah. when I was younger I used to be the person who would just blurt out everything that I see I I think you can still see traits of that in me (laughs) I think if you follow me online you see that that jumps out occasionally um but I used to get into a lot of trouble because often they would then even break up with that person and then I would say it all and then they'd fucking get back together and then I would get cut out so now the best thing you can do unless you think your friend is in imminent danger and even then be careful in how you approach it so that you don't get cut out. Just try to be so there yeah. for them. Be there, be there at the ready with the net for when this shit inevitably falls apart because it always does. It always does. Because then you will have all the information to be able to swoop them up and protect them and stop them from going back. And it's really frustrating. It's a very hard position to be in, but from doing it the wrong way every time uh, before I turned 30, um, 
try that and good luck to whoever that is if they exist um we don't have time for any more questions and i'm so sorry uh but rebecca is there any last thought you would like to leave everyone with do you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna just reiterate your amazing answer to one of these questions which is that life is so fucking short and you are fabulous and you deserve to be happy and don't waste your precious energy on anything that is not making you so yeah just just go for it the fabulous rebecca humphreys everyone Just before you all leave, I want to say that I have honestly not been afraid of many things as much as I've been afraid of tonight. I, I, I've been petrified. And thank you for being so welcoming and so warm and so kind and so excellent to my brilliant guest. One last time for Rebecca Humphreys. Thank you so much. Bye. Get home safe. Bye, you guys. so much for listening to this week's episode i weigh with jamila jamil is produced and researched by myself jamila jamil erin finnegan and kimmy gregory it is edited by andrew carson and the beautiful music you are hearing now is made by my boyfriend james blake if you haven't already please rate review and subscribe to the show it's a great way to show your support we also have a bonus series exclusively on stitcher premium called ask jamila anything check it out you can get a free month of stitcher premium by going to stitcher.com forward slash premium and using the promo code i way lastly over at i way we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast you can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iwaypodcast at gmail.com and now we would love to pass the mic to one of our fabulous listeners hi jamila my name is rafaela mancuso and i am from the great white north of canada And what do I weigh? I weigh the amount of care and love I have for other people. I weigh the passion I have to help people who are struggling with their mental health or body image. I weigh that my desire to make a difference in the world. So thank you so much for doing this. And hopefully we can talk again soon. Bye-bye. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because (laughs) the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Hello. Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. 
Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.